Many of you are already aware at this point, but in case you're not, a family in our congregation, Leonard and Joy Clymer, lost their daughter Victoria a week ago today to cancer. And we spent our service last Sunday reading scriptures of lament and hope and praying for them. They buried Victoria on Friday in a private burial, and then this next um, Friday there will be a uh, because of COVID, there are many restrictions, of course, on gathering inside, so there will be a private memorial service for Victoria. But also, in addition to this, on Friday morning, Karen Kozell, a, a longtime friend to many from um, our mother church, Incarnation, she passed away on Friday morning from cancer. Uh, I was talking to Andrew White, who's here in the back, um, early this past week, and he mentioned that death is a test of faith for all of us. And he's right. Whatever our relationship to it, death calls forth from us what we believe. And for a faith that is built on belief in the resurrection of our Lord and our own future resurrections, death really is the ultimate final test of our faith. I want to talk this morning about how we face this test. You know, the most common way many of us today think about a test of faith is as an intellectual test. We feel the weight of being able to think our way through such events, to make sense of them in our minds, to be able to explain them, to be able even to justify our beliefs to ourselves or perhaps to others who would question us. Why do you believe such a thing? Resurrection of the dead, really. We ask ourselves, why did this event have to happen? And why do we believe what we believe? Should we believe it? Is it reliable? Not to discount these questions, but I want to push us this morning toward another important way of understanding tests of faith, and that is as tests of God's love. This type of test comes out in our passages this morning. So in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples are out on the sea, they're traveling at night, and Jesus had sent them out alone. And they're frightened by this storm and by the appearance of what they assume is a ghost. The sea had this reputation of being populated by dark spiritual forces. And suddenly Jesus speaks out of this storm. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The disciples are locked in their fears and Jesus speaks to them in their inmost being and calls them to take hope in his presence Take heart, it's me. His presence of power and of love, when fully felt, seems to dispel the deepest anxieties and fears. Now in 2 Corinthians 4, that Jenny read for us, Paul has just described all these ways that he and his co-workers are experiencing tests of faith as they seek to labor for God's kingdom. We're afflicted in every way, he says. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're struck down, even. 
And he summarizes all of it by saying, death is at work in us. But then he says, we do not lose heart. And this phrase, we do not lose heart, is a refrain that he's already used at the beginning of the passage. Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, he says. And later he phrases this in a more positive way. We are always of good courage. One of the ways that death works in us is by seeking to dismantle our faith. It seeks to take away joy and hope, replacing them with anxiety, fear, and ultimately unbelief, cynicism, despair. In doing this, death, as an active enemy of all kinds of life, seeks to multiply itself and create despair and death in the midst of life. Not just for those who have passed, but for those of us who are still here. And from this angle, death is not just an intellectual test of faith. It's a test at the center of our being. What is as strong as death? Is it our flawless intellectual reason? As important as our reasoning is, Song of Solomon says it is love that is as strong as death. Death comes to us as a test of God's love, of God's faithfulness, and His promises that sustain hope in our lives. So how do we face this test of faith? I only have one point, which is actually, they say, is a bad outline, but I think it's that important of a point. We face this test of faith through the love of God in Christ. Through the love of God in Christ. None of what I say is meant to denigrate the importance of intellectual knowledge, but it's to put it in the right perspective. Peter Kreft is a Christian and a philosopher, and he wrote a little book titled, Love is Stronger Than Death. If this is a topic that interests you, I I recommend it. And he says that there are two meanings to the word know, K-N-O-W, to know. We may know that something is true, or we may know that something. We may know about someone, or we may know that someone. And other languages like French, German, and Spanish actually have two words to distinguish these kinds of knowing. One for factual knowing, and another for intimate acquaintance kinds of knowing. And the love of God in Christ is known through intimate acquaintance. It's a personal knowing. By receiving and experiencing God's love and compassion in our own lives. The forgiveness of all the things in our lives that need to be forgiven. Covered. The swallowing up of all the darkness and fear that exist in crevices of our inner life. This is the love that's tested when death comes into our lives, whether it be the death of those we love or one day our own death. Are we really completely loved? And will God's love see us through? Can it sustain us to the other side of this test? 
Christians in the past are known to have prayed that God would spare them a sudden and unprovided death. And what they meant by that was that they would not die unprepared, having not made their amends, having not asked forgiveness of others or of God. But today we find that more people actually wish for a sudden unprovided death. We don't want to deal with the painful waiting because waiting in death is the most awful and fearful part of it. And again, this is the test of faith. Will God's love sustain us through the death of a loved one, a child, or through our own death? We might say, that we believe it will. But in death, we are tested. In the waiting of death, we are tested. And God answers the question of whether his love will sustain us with an adamant yes. His love in Christ will sustain you. It will do even more than sustaining you. In God's remarkable power, the process of dealing with death can be turned into a time of being filled even more with his love. Now, this is one of the ways that God outwits the enemy of Satan. Our enemy seeks to destroy with death, but God outflanks the enemy and uses death for good, filling us even more with his mercy and his goodness and giving us the hope of resurrection and life beyond death. The many tumultuous waters of life cannot quench the power of his love. Did you, I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice it, even having chosen these passages this morning. Three of our passages this morning depict life as a powerful storm that rages against us, threatening to completely undo us. All your breakers and your ways have gone over me, the psalmist prays in Psalm 42. Song of Solomon speaks of the many waters that seek to quench love, the floods that seek to drown it out. And then there's the story of the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew. That is a story about the disciples. It happened. But it is also intended as a story about our lives with Jesus in the world. Like the disciples, Christ sends the church out into the stormy waters of the world. And we can feel utterly abandoned. Even when Christ does show up, as he did for the disciples, we don't always recognize him at first. His appearance can be to us as something terrifying. They see something. It's Christ, but they see him as a ghost. And then Christ speaks out of the storm. Take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. How do we face the test of faith that death brings? Through the love of God in Christ. The love that has, in Paul's words in 2 Timothy, destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. The Christian faith rests on this hope and this promise. Hope does not put us to shame, Paul says again in Romans, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's a love that can't be quenched. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, we don't lose heart 
Because even though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're experiencing new life every day. This is the work of the Spirit who fills us with God's love and renews us with Christ's resurrection life, even in the midst of darkness and death. Death is the ultimate test of faith. It is our greatest enemy. But it has been vanquished by the love of God in Christ. And this was, is what will see us through the test. And because death ultimately comes to all of us, we also find in it the purpose of our lives. What people believe about death and what happens at death determines the purpose of their lives. And this is very true for Christianity. To know the love of God in Christ, to be secured by it and prepared for this ultimate test is the purpose of our lives as Christians. Whether you claim to be a Christian or not, do you genuinely know and experience God's love? Do you live and work out of his love and his delight in you? Not in a theoretical way, knowing his love, being told about it, hearing about it in church, but in a personal way, do you know his love? Do you know that Christ genuinely loves you and delights in you? That all the things that you're ashamed of, he completely forgives you of. That all the crevices of your life, he knows them, and he loves you. And do you know that his love will ultimately see you through every storm? Your greatest fears and the end of your life. Whether it comes quickly or if it comes slowly. Christ's love is what sees us through this test. Now I want to close by challenging you in one area. Make sure that you're looking toward eternal things. Make sure that you're looking toward eternal things. Now, if you have been around our church or a part of Church of the Incarnation for a while, you might have noticed that we try to make a big deal of the fact that God intends to redeem his creation. That all of this beauty is because of God's goodness. And even though there is a shadow cast over it because of death, it still has his goodness in it, his fingerprints, and he intends to redeem it. So when you come to Jesus and are forgiven of your sins, God enjoins you in his work of bringing his kingdom to the earth, of doing good work here. So the things that he calls you to do out in the world, these are a part of God's kingdom work. He desires to work through you. These are beautiful, wonderful truths. If you've been a part of churches in a long time, for a long time, uh, for, uh, there had been these truths that had fallen through the cracks. We heard that the, the end goal of life was basically to go to heaven and that this earth would be destroyed. And all that we're trying to do is say that, no, God created this in his goodness and his love and he intends to redeem it. These are wonderful truths. Here's the only caution that I want to 
lay before you, heaven is not fully here yet. It is not. And if you put your hopes in the world as it is now, they will be utterly dashed and you will be undone. Keep before you what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians. Look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What we see now in all of this beauty is only a shadow of what it will be. All of the beauty that we experience in our connection with each other. All of the love as Ernie and Katrina sang in the, uh, for the life of, what's the song called? For the beauty of the earth. The love between father, mother, son, and child. It's only a shadow of the love that we'll experience in the presence of Christ forever when heaven comes to earth. Heaven is not here yet. And the goal of your life is to be with God and for his kingdom to come to earth forever. So be careful that in your hopes for the earth that you forget to look to heaven from which the kingdom comes. How do we face the ultimate test of our faith through the love of God that is in Christ This Lenten season is a time in which we repent for all the ways that we have become consumed with the earth instead of heaven. All of us have plenty of ways that we can tell God we're sorry. And we can ask his forgiveness and his grace to help us. Because in his love, that's what he wishes to do. To flood our lives with his goodness. And to bring his goodness into our lives, and into the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.